following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. So we've been in this series, Belief, and um, going over different phrases of the Apostle Creed. I won't, I'll save you guys this week. You guys can relax a little bit, and I'll just read through it. Um, and you guys can just follow along listening on the screen, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it really quick. For those of you who uh, haven't been around the last couple weeks, yeah, like I said, people are going to be sneaking in everything, and so that's okay. So those of you who haven't been here the last couple weeks, uh, I always just want to do a recap. This is the Apostles' Creed, and it's a phrase that we say, and we are in unison with everything that it says with other people in the church. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we can jump into the phrase that we are on tonight. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so this week specifically, I want to be looking at the phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I have a couple here. Raise your hand if you need one. We'll make this really quick. Get a couple people some Bibles. If you don't have one at home, this is our gift to you. Um, or if you just want an extra one, we love uh, handing out Bibles. So you can hold on to that and keep that if you want it. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in John chapter 16 tonight. John chapter 16, so start turning there. This isn't, uh, I guess, quick disclaimer. This isn't a typical, I guess if there is a typical, Holy Spirit sermon. I don't know if there is a typical or not, but if there is, this isn't it. I don't know. (laughs) For a couple of reasons. First off, I know I'm not, I just said, I'm preaching about the Holy Spirit, and then I said, turn to John chapter 16. What are we doing not being in Acts chapter 2, right, where it all happened? Um, or, or Acts 1-8, right? This is a perfect verse, and those are amazing verses to be preaching on. Um, on this passage, it's completely applicable. That is Pentecost. That is God pouring out his Spirit uh, onto all people. And, and so, but I'm not going to be preaching out of Acts uh, 1.8 or Acts chapter 2, because one, I believe that the Holy Spirit is throughout the, the, all of Scripture, not just those couple chapters, not just uh, from Acts on, but through the Gospels, through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't just show up at one point, right? He is um, eternal, both forward and backward. He has always been around with God's people, and so we can look at any part of one uh, of, of all the scripture, we can look at any one part and we can see the Holy Spirit working through it and planning out what God has planned for his people. The second thing that really kind of makes it not typical is not only where we're preaching out of the text, but also what we're going to be focusing on in the text. I, I, I'm actually not going to be focusing on the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Which is strange, right? Because we think um, so regularly, well, we think of the Holy Spirit, well, then in the same hand as tongues. Because we do believe that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you receive tongues, you receive different gifts that he gives us, right? He pours out gifts on us. And this is something that we believe and we affirm. 
But I also know that sometimes it is a temptation or um, something that maybe we uh, struggle with, myself included, of confusing the two, the Holy Spirit and the sign that he gives. I think this is something that um, is, is common, and, and I don't think that it's necessary. I don't think that it's biblical. I think there is definitely a huge distinction between the, the person of the Holy Spirit and then the gifts that he gives us, right? There's a huge separation, but I think we so regularly are seeking the, the, the gift. We, we're seeking tongues. We're seeking prophecy, which those things are amazing. Those gifts are amazing, but the giver of the gift is so much greater, right? They're amazing blessings, but they are nothing in comparison to the he who gives the blessing, right? And so we should always be seeking the one who gives the blessing and receive the gift as he gives it. And so I want to focus tonight, the phrase doesn't say, I believe in, and then fill it in with any of the gifts that he gives. No, it's, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to be talking about, who is the Holy Spirit? I said this is something that I struggle with myself, too, though. I, um, I remember all the way back at youth camp, Thursday night, you all know Thursday night, uh, Holy Spirit night, Holy Spirit night at, th- at youth camp. And I remember vividly weeping at the altar, crying. Crying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a crier, by the way. I don't cry very often. But, um, so I was crying. I remember, I remember crying at the altar, begging God for tongues, for speaking in tongues. I hadn't spoken in tongues yet at that point. And um, so I remember crying for that. And I think if somebody would have ever come up and just said, hey, why, why are you wanting tongues? Let's talk about that for a second. Why, why do you want to speak in a heavenly language? If you don't know what, what tongues is, let me just explain really quick. It's, um, it's, we, it's something that we believe that God, the Holy Spirit, does. He pours out on us a heavenly language, something that we can't speak. It's not, it's not English. It's not, we're not speaking the language that, that we, we're accustomed to, that we speak regularly like this. It's, it's a heavenly language that God can understand. And we believe that there can be interpretation. Somebody else, God, gives the understanding of what you just spoke in a language that doesn't sound like a language that we know. God gives somebody else the ability to be able to interpret that. And it's a blessing to his people to be able to edify us, to build us up, to let us know that he's present and he's with us. This is the purpose of the gifts that he gives us. It's a blessing. But I think if somebody would have come up to me at youth camp, going up to the altar, seeing me just red-faced, tears, and they ask, hey, why, why is it that you're wanting tongues? Let's talk about that. I, I think I would have given a couple answers, maybe one, well, it's the next step, right? Like you're a Christian, but then boom, you start speaking in tongues, you, you, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now you are just another level, like you are the Christian among Christians, right? You are, it's the next level. I've been, I've been a, I've believed in God for a while now, but let me actually make that next step. I think that's maybe what I would have said, that's, it's my next step. I think maybe I also could have said, um, well, I mean, it makes me a part of the community that I'm in, right? The church that I, that I'm a part of, that I regularly attend, because everyone else is seeking it, because everyone else has it, because the, the mentors that I have, the people that I look up to in the church, they speak in tongues, and I see how amazing it is, so I, I want to seek uh, tongues because I want to be like them, because I want to fit in into the church, and, and I, of, all the, of all the answers that I could have given, I think maybe the answer of because I wanted to draw me closer to God might have fallen through the cracks. I think I start seeking tongues so much and I completely forget that 
The purpose is to, to draw closer to the giver of the gift, right? And I think that's honestly an, an issue because I think we always should be seeking after, drawing closer, drawing near, digging deeper into a better relationship with God. And a means to do that is through the gifts that he gives us to build us up. But I think we're just seeking those gifts because, well, other people have it or because, you know, it's the next step. We're missing the purpose of the gift that it can draw us closer to God Almighty. And so all that to be said, I want to talk about tonight, Holy Spirit. God, the third person, the Holy Spirit, and what he, what he does in our life. Because I think it's so much more than just speaking in tongues. And if we, if we drop him down to being equated with speaking in tongues, we've missed so much of the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. I've given you a little bit of time. Um, John chapter 16, that's where we're going to be at, John 16, and then we'll jump to 14 a little bit too. Um, a little bit of context to this, uh, this chunk of scripture, this, this um, discourse. Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples <clears throat> at the Lord's Supper. You all, a lot of you might know this story. He's sitting at the table, just had communion with uh, his disciples, and Judas has just left. So now he is having time with the 11 that are faithful to him. And he begins teaching them and talking to them and explaining things to them. This is the setting that we're about to read this in. He's, he's sitting with the believers, the people that are living life for him. They're dedicated to him. And this is kind of like the Sermon on the Mount. It's a law, it's a bunch of red letters, okay? A, a couple chapters of red letters. Jesus talking, he's teaching for a long period of time, okay? And in this time period of Jesus teaching, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit a couple different times, five times in particular. He starts to talk about the Holy Spirit, and they're just like kind of put in the text here and there. And each one, he talks about how the Holy Spirit does a different thing in our life. The Holy Spirit works in your life in a different way. Now, whenever I leave, and I'm going to go up to the, to the Father, right? We just talked a couple weeks ago of, of how um, he's resurrected, and he will uh, go and be seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right? And he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. You all remember that's starting to come back? Well, he had just left, or he's going to leave from the text we're reading. He goes up to heaven, and from that point on until, and still we're in that time, until he comes back to judge the living and the dead as he said he will, that whole time, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that is the time that we're still living in today. We're waiting for Jesus to come back and to judge the living and the dead. And so until that point, we have, he sends the Holy Spirit, and he calls the Holy Spirit this word, the paraclete. Now you can all go home and say that you know a little fun word, um, the paraclete. And so, but this word can be translated into a, a bunch of different uh, translations. It can be understood in a bunch of different ways. And I want to talk about this because each one of them uh, talks a little bit more about just what the Holy Spirit does for us. The first one uh, is he, that he's our helper. He helps us. He, he aids us. He, he equips us. He empowers us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He also, uh, we can just keep going, the comforter. He comforts us in, in pain and in, in hurt and suffering. He is our comforter. He's the one that is always walking with us in things. He's our teacher. He teaches us. He, he speaks through God's holy word and he, he illuminates it. He illuminates it to our souls and he speaks through it to us. He's our advocate as we're witnessing to people, as we're teaching people about, about God. He works through us and he speaks through us. 
advocates for us and through us. This is what he does. He's our encourager, encourages us, again, just like comforter in all our hard times. These are all different things that the Holy Spirit does. And so I wanted to show that because every single time that Jesus, in these couple chapters, talking to his disciples at the table, he keeps calling the Holy Spirit this word. And it's just such an all-inclusive word of how the Holy Spirit does so many different things in our life, in different situations. But they're all included. These are things that he does. And so I want to talk about two things in particular that the Holy Spirit does um, tonight. The first one, it's from John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. He says, I tell you the truth. It is, your, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's that word, the helper. But if I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is one of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives as we come into relationship with him. Whenever we first walk into relationship with God, he transforms our hearts. He turns Ezekiel 36, 26. It's a common verse regarding this. He, he changes our heart that is a heart of stone, a, a heart that is dead from sin, and he turns it into a heart of flesh. He gives us new desires, new, new wants. New, we want to live for God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts, he changes, he transforms our hearts. But it's not only whenever, it's not like a one time and you're never convicted again whenever you first come into relationship with God. Because I know a lot of you here, you can't even remember whenever you first walked into a relationship with God. You just kind of grew up in church. You grew up being a Christian. This is a continual thing. It's an everyday thing, working on our hearts. Ch changing your perspective from whenever you have these desires, whenever you have these wants, whenever you have these different things, these, these lusts, evil lusts. He changes and, and just shifts your perspective to now be looking at God and wanting what God wants. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. As God comes into your life, as God's working in your life, he changes what you want and makes you want holy things and to not want those things. This is conviction in your heart. I don't want to be living. I know I'm not supposed to live this way. It's a continual thing. It's a regular thing. I remember... Um, I'm talking about all these things that I did whenever I was younger and that just were bad theology, like crying at the, at the altar, looking for tongues for the sake of having tongues. I also remember whenever I was uh, wrestling through just a bunch of different theological questions and just not understanding things, I remember wrestling with this whole idea of, am I just always constantly losing my salvation? Because every time I sin, every time I, I choose something, knowing that it is not what God wants me to do, I take that and I put it as a God above him. I think it's a question that people start to wrestle with. Well, am I, every time I do that, is he no longer my God? And so now I lost my salvation. This is something that I wrestled with. And I now see that, no, that God does not expect us to be perfect. He doesn't require us to be perfect. He knows we're going to sin. He knows that we're going to choose things over him. But it's the conviction of the heart, knowing that you did that, that you want to get better at it. You don't want to always be sinning that way. You don't want to keep putting that above God. This is the holy conviction that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I realized that, no, it wasn't just this thinking that I kept losing my salvation it was just the conviction that God was working in my life. Speaking to my soul, saying this is not the life that you should be living. 
You should put me first, and it was convicting my soul, and I, and I wanted to grow, and I wanted to be better. This is evidence that the Holy Spirit is residing within you. Conviction. It sounds pretty terrible, right? Just, oh, like, I don't like conviction. No, it's a, it's a blessing. It's an amazing thing that, that shows us that God is working in your life, that God is there with you. But I also want to make a distinction. This is very different Conviction is not the same thing as maybe what you're doing to yourself, self-inflicted, self-hating, unforgiving to yourself. This is not the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what maybe you're going through, you're wrestling with, if it's, if it's a lust, if it's a desire that you have that you just cannot break away from, and you're actually wrestling with this self-hate and this, this idea that God doesn't want to be in a relationship with you anymore because of this sin that you just can't drop. This is not conviction. This is self-inflicted and, and wrongly put. Conviction by the Holy Spirit is a blessing to say, yes, God, I, 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 I am living a sinful life. I am uh, doing wrong. But because he loves me so much, he wants to be in relationship with me, regardless of that, regardless of the sin that I'm doing. And I want to live the best I can because you still love me. So I want, I want to make that distinction. This conviction, I think, that so many of us wrestle with, it is not the same as beating ourselves up because I just can't break it, because I can't, I can't stop. God doesn't want to be in relationship with me anymore. God doesn't love me anymore because this is, I, I am just, I can't break this. This is not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit softly impresses on our heart, I, I need to be better, but it's because God loves me regardless. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He also, uh, he comforts us. This is the second one that I wanted to talk about tonight. In John 14, it is the same time he's still sitting with his disciples at the table. He's still talking with them and bringing up the Holy Spirit here and there. And in this one, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, there's the word again, helper, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. This is a promise that the Holy Spirit gives, not only if you're a relationship with God, not only does he promise that he will convict your soul, that he will convict you and change your perspective, transform your heart, but he also promises he will never leave you. This is something we can rely on, we can trust in, and we can know to be true that God will never leave us, just like what we were just singing. This is a proclamation, something that we know to be true. We are not alone. We are not ever going to be alone if you're in relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He will always be with us. And he always comforts us through this. I also uh, want to make this distinction that there's no comfort without a change of heart first, a conviction working in your life. I think that's, that's a little hard sometimes to, to kind of grasp. There is no comfort from the Holy Spirit. There is no comfort from God without conviction of heart. If you don't feel the conviction of sin, if you don't feel the weight 
of living the sinful life and you don't have any intention or desire, any push from God working your life to walk away from that sin and to grow away from it. The Holy Spirit is not working your life because that is a promise that he gives us. And so there's no comfort if there's no conviction. They go hand in hand. I was reading a not reading, I was listening to this song. I, I posted on Facebook this album that came out by Austin Stone Worship. Um, and one of the phrases, one of the, one of the verses in it is, who can sing in the midst of suffering but those that he has redeemed and called by name? Who can sing in the midst of suffering other than those that he has redeemed and called by name? If he is living with you, and if he is your God, if he is dwelling within you, we have comfort knowing that he's always gonna be with us. And there's no suffering <clears throat> or pain that will ever take that away. This isn't, this, this idea that he's never gonna leave us, that there's, there's, there's conviction to be better, there's no comfort without change of heart. That isn't to say that we have to live perfect lives at all. But this does mean that we have to have a desire to strive to be the best we can and if you don't have that, you don't have the heart after God's heart. If you don't have a desire, a striving to live for God, then you don't have a heart that's after God. But if you do, God is there to comfort you and help you and walk through it with you. A book uh, that, that I've been reading by John Owen, he wrote, When God stirs your heart about your sin concerning its, either its root and its indwelling within you, the sin that you're working on, that, that, that you're going through. If he stirs your heart concerning that or the way that it breaks out, that, the way that you live it out, be careful that you don't, do not speak peace to yourself before God speaks it to you. I think it's so common for us to, to kind of set aside the conviction and set aside God's comfort and say, oh, well, you know what, God will forgive me, so I'm totally good. I'm not worried about it. I think that's a temptation that we go through, that we sin, and now we say, oh, but God will forgive me. So, And we, there's no conviction in that. There's no desire to be better. There's no desire to grow. And we now comfort ourselves. Well, God will forgive me. I'm, I'm totally good. John Owen says, whenever you're wrestling with the, 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 the uh, conviction, don't comfort yourself before knowing God comforts you. It's not our job to comfort. It's not our job to convict ourselves. It is God that convicts ourselves. It's God that convicts your heart, that makes you want to live better. It's Holy Spirit working in you, and it's also the Holy Spirit working in you that will comfort you through that. I wrote here that even the worst of worst sinners, if they're convicted of the sin that they're living in, either have lived in or they're currently completely in sin, even the worst of worst sinners, if they are convicted of the sin that they're in, they can have comfort that God is with them. That is the Holy Spirit's promise. Even the worst of worst sinners who are truly convicted of the sin that they're working on, they can now have comfort that the Holy Spirit is residing in their heart. I wanna make a, a quick note really quick that uh, it says he will give you another helper to be with you forever, another helper. This is uh, Jesus speaking and he says, I will, he, he, the, I will send another helper because he was also a helper to the disciples. Could you just imagine? Could you imagine 
living at the time of Jesus, walking with Jesus, being with him, and knowing that it doesn't matter what struggle you go through, it doesn't matter what pain you have, it doesn't matter what hurt you have, whatever condition you're in, because Jesus Christ is right there next to you. And you know that he'll never walk away from you. He's going to stay with you in it. He's going to, he's going to uh, work in your life through it. Could you imagine walking with Jesus Christ, his, our helper? I ask that because that's exactly what we have through the Holy Spirit. He is working through every single thing in our lives. He's walking with us. He's, he's comforting us. He's helping us. He's, he's in any, it doesn't matter what, anything that we're suffering through or we're, we're struggling with, we're tempted by the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us and to walk through with us. This is the promise that the Holy Spirit has for us. Both conviction and the comfort by the Holy Spirit are promises that he'll give us. That we don't have to question. But if we have a relationship with God, if we have a relationship with the one who saves us, you can be assured, you, you, you can know with confidence that there will be a change in perspective, a change of heart, noticeably so that your heart will want new things, that you'll want to please God, you won't want the things that you once did. You're trying to change and work through that and change your perspective. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, and you will also know that he will come for you, he will be with you, he will be walking with you through every bit of it, comforting you through it. As you fall, as you, as you sin, as you mess up, knowing that he will comfort you with it. These are promises that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it's impossible to live as a Christian without either one of these things. Without conviction and without the comfort. From the very beginning of our relationship with God, the change of heart, the change, a new transformation, a new person, right, this is what we become when we come into relationship with him. It is impossible from that very beginning to do any of it on our own. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And every single day from that, of all the things that you're gonna go through, it's impossible to go through those things without God, without the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But I think even though he promises that he'll give us both of these things, I think it's so easy for us to reject them and, and commonly push them aside and not acknowledge them. This is, I'm just closing up here. I, I want to be a little candid and, and honest with you guys. You guys good with that? Is that okay? I think we regularly, regularly do that. I think he always, he always promises to give us conviction, a transformation of heart. But how many times do we ignore that conviction? How many times do we hear God speaking and pressing on our heart? You're called to want something so much greater. How many times do we ignore that and try to push it aside, right? We walk away from the promise of conviction that the Holy Spirit gives us. How many times does he comfort us, but we reject that comfort? I do these things all the time. As, I'm, as I realize that the ways that I should be better, the ways that I should grow, the ways that I should draw closer to God, these are convictions in my life. Areas in my life that I can be better, that I can grow. How many times do I, yeah, later. I, I just say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that later. I push away the conviction. I do the same with, with his comfort. I, I, as I was writing this sermon, I remembered a, a journal entry that I had a, 
maybe a month ago, just exhausted, tired, beat down. And I actually have this quote. I uh, went back about a month, found the journal entry that I had that I was writing down and journaled. And, and uh, I got the quote here. I wrote, this is a time where I always designate to deep prayer. This is just a time I remember sitting there and this time of day, I always have designated, set aside, that I'm going to be praying, that I'm going to be hearing from God speaking to me. This is a common thing. And I remember sitting there at that same place that I'm always at, and I said, this is a time where I always designate for deep prayer. I just can't get myself to. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm unmotivated. I feel convicted that I don't have a deep burden to seek God but I don't feel the urgency to seek him or his presence. This is my honest reflection. And that was the end of the journal entry. This is an honest reflection. God promises that he will give us conviction, a new desires to be shifting the things that we struggle with to now living more holy for him. It might be a journey, something that you're working through, that you don't wake up the next day and now you don't struggle with any of the things that you once struggled with, right? This is a journey. But it's the tug on your heart saying, I want to be better. God, I don't want this anymore. Don't push away that conviction because that is the call of the Holy Spirit working in your heart that the Holy Spirit has. It's one of the many gifts that our great, huge God gives us. Don't walk away from the comfort that he offers you. I remember whenever I was writing that journal entry that I just didn't feel, I just, I was tired. I didn't, I didn't want to pray. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. So I sat there in God's presence, exhausted. But I sat there in God's presence, just hearing from him. I didn't want to turn away from the Holy Spirit just comforting me, being there with me, speaking to me. If you have never in your life invited the Holy Spirit to be in your life, or if you have and you just feel numb to it right now, that, yeah, you've, you've walked in a relationship with God, but, right, but you can't remember the last time that you felt the tug of the Holy Spirit to be better, that you have become numb to the sin that you've been living in regularly. You've professed at one time that you're going to be in a relationship with God, but you can't remember the last time that you really just stopped and said, I should not be living this way because you've become content with the way that you're living. Whatever camp you're in, you've never asked the Holy Spirit into your life, God, to be present and dwelling within you, or you have, and you just, you just realize that that is not evident in the way that you're living right now. I encourage you just to ask the Holy Spirit, God, be real in my life. Be illuminated in me. Speak into my soul to convict me, to, to challenge my heart, to draw me closer to you, to speak into my life. Ask for the Holy Spirit to push that impression onto your heart. How amazing is our God that he promises to give us conviction and to comfort us even when we sin, even whenever we fail. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring all of this into your heart. It's a healthy thing. Allow him to give you the power to overcome it. This is one of the other five that I didn't get a hit on. He gives us empowerment. 
He doesn't only just challenge your heart to say, I need to, get, I need to walk away from this sin, but he also gives us and equips us with the power, the will to be able to do it because in our own strength, there is no way that you can ever stop the sin that you're going through. I am telling you right now, there is no way that you and yourself will be able to overcome that. That is the Holy Spirit coming into your life and challenging you, convicting you, and empowering you to draw closer to him, to live more holy lives because God loves you. And so we want to worship him through our actions. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's never just put him in a window in a, a small little box of just one little thing or two little things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is active and moving and evident in your life. If you profess the name of Jesus Christ, if you can say that with confidence, knowing all those things that we read at the very beginning of this to be true, you have the Holy Spirit in your life and it is evident in multiple ways. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we go into the next couple minutes, as we worship God, don't walk away from that. Don't reject that. Embrace that. And as we leave here, as we go out into uh, your regular days, know that the Holy Spirit's walking with you through that. Let me pray as we go into this next portion. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a great God, that you are so much more than any one little thing that we can experience, but you are a God that gives all things to us, Lord. We are imperfect. We are sinners. Lord, we, we turn away from you daily in the way that we live, the actions that we make, the things that we think. God, we are constantly failing, but you're a God that loves us. You're God that cares for us anyway, and you are constantly tugging at our hearts to draw closer to you. You are all forgiving. Your forgiveness and your grace never fails. You never fail on us, Lord. You never give up on us. But you convict us and you comfort us. You challenge us. You draw us closer to you. And so, Lord, as we go into this time of just singing praises to you, Lord, singing about your Holy Spirit, about who you are and how you work in our lives, Lord, I just pray that this time is dedicated to you. As we turn our perspective to you, as we look to you, as we worship you, Lord, may you be praised, may you be glorified. And it is you who we want to elevate and no one else. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.